Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody <laughs> on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't a podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Elk Talk podcast. And today you are witnessing a first. This is my first time hosting a podcast solo. So Randy has uh, deserted us and went to Alaska and is up there for most of the month of August. So that leaves me to uh, host the podcast. So that may be a, a good thing or a bad thing. I guess that's, we'll find out here in the next hour. So I do have uh, some company with me, so it's not just me sitting here talking and uh, we'll get into some good discussion in a bit. But for those who might have been living under a rock and don't know Donnie, uh, Donnie Drake is joining me here in the elk101.com world headquarters office. <laughs> <laughs> which is the back room of a paint shop in Donnelly, Idaho. And uh, we've tried to decorate it to make it look somewhat elky today. But yeah. uh, before we jump in and get started on today's podcast, which we're going to talk about some some really cool things. We've got an exciting project that we're doing uh, through Elk 101. Uh, we're going to share some of our plans for elk season, what we're doing there. And we're going to talk about early season tactics and uh, what our plan is there as well as been getting a lot of emails and and messages which by the way thank you for everybody who sent in all the messages and emails both support and with uh, encouragement and questions topics ideas all that uh, we're going to get into moon phases and how moon phases affect elk hunting and we'll, we'll get into that but before we do we've got to uh give some credit and recognition to the companies who have supported us and are allowing us to do this podcast and share it with you at no cost. And uh, obviously, title sponsor, uh, the ones who are making it happen is the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And as Randy and I have mentioned, uh, if you're not a member of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, please consider. It's a uh, there's no benefit to Donnie and I or Randy if you join the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation uh, individually, but there's a benefit to all elk hunters if you sign up and become a member there because the $35 that it costs you per year to be a member goes straight back into habitat improvement, into uh, access, 
everything that we rely on as elk hunters and a $35 contribution a year to benefit the future of elk and elk hunting, I think is a pretty small investment for a really huge benefit. So go to rmef.org and uh, you can sign up there. If you're not a member, if you are a member, thank you. And uh, there are always opportunities to volunteer to go out in an afternoon and, and help with the project, to just be involved locally and see what the Elk Foundation is doing in your area. Yeah. Uh, next sponsor we have is Go Hunt. And if you'll remember, Go Hunt is offering a 30-day free trial on their insider mm-hmm. membership, which is incredibly valuable. If you go to the Elk Talk link, which is at gohunt.com, dot com forward slash elk talk that's a there's a special little landing page just for the elk talk podcast you'll see a picture of randy and i there and if you go there you can sign up from that page for a free 30-day trial which 30 days is more than enough to get you everything you need to see behind the scenes right now you're right in close to your 30 days of yeah, before season. before season. So take advantage of it now. Uh, there, there's just a ton of content information there in addition to the draw odds, in addition to the filter, which that's, for me, the filtering 2.0. Uh, you can go through and select what state, what species, every aspect and goal that you have for a hunt, and it will highlight the units within that state that meet your criteria. And I know I've been looking, you know, for mule deer, for elk, for everything, even looking into next year. But for this year, uh, our, our plans are pretty much set, but there's still a ton of valuable information, even if you know where you're going in there. So uh, plan B. Yeah. C, D, yeah. E. <laughs> so go to gohunt.com forward slash elk talk, sign up for your free 30 day trial membership. And if you like it, you can continue. If you don't, you can cancel. No questions asked. And a great opportunity there. Uh, Next sponsor for the Elk Talk podcast is Onyx Maps. And Donnie is probably, I credit him for turning me on to Onyx Maps because I've used the chip forever. I've had a GPS, I use the chip. And every time we go out, Donnie's on his cell phone and I'm thinking, (laughs) man, these young teenage kids always on their devices. And here's Donnie over there on his device. And come to find out he's doing far more valuable in the field research than than I could ever do with the GPS and just having access to that map and the imagery and you know waypoints and everything that a GPS can do and so much more and you can download the areas that you're going to so you can go offline with it so you don't have to have a cell reception all done through the Onyx Maps uh, app the hunt app and uh, if you go out to their site at onxmaps.com and sign up for that app membership, uh, you can save 20% by using the discount code or the promo code Elk Talk, all one word Elk Talk. And it's not just on your phone. You can <laughs> sync everything. That's why I like going back after the fact when I had some tracks or marked points or whatever, then get home in the off season now, I can go and look and see. Where did we go last year? Where where did we have bugles? Where did we, what areas, what drainages did we hit? What was next to those drainages? And you can see other stuff that was next to wherever it was that you left your track. If you're recording your track on on your uh, 
on X. Totally, yeah. And on the reverse, you can sit at your computer right now and look up all of these backup areas and put waypoints on the computer. So you can be on the computer, you can go out and cross-reference with Google Earth or anything else, set waypoints in the OnX on the computer, and then that automatically syncs and shows up on your digital device on the app. So incredibly powerful. Again, go to onxmaps.com and enter the discount code ELKTALK, all one word, and you're going to save 20% on the OnX Hunt app. Uh, next one is Sitka gear. And Donnie, I think we've both been wearing Sitka for about as long as Sitka has been yeah. providing good gear there. And our first hunt this year is going to be in a new habitat for us, new terrain, new environment. And we'll be hunting with David Brinker, who uh, up until about two months ago was the marketing guy for the big game line at Sitka gear. Since it started. Yeah, basically from the from the beginning. So yeah. Sitka Gear, you know, it's it the cool thing is we're going to a brand new area. Uh we're gonna be on the you know, west coast con- hunting coastal Roosevelt and it's wet. There's moisture over there, and so we're able to plan our, our gear system, our clothing system around where we're going and and basically use the exact same things we've been using anywhere else and add one piece or two pieces to be able to to adapt to that actual climate and environment we're hunting in. So that's the that's the beauty of Sitka gear. It's customized system layering for any situation you're in. And uh, it's obviously proven by us that uh, we definitely love it and stay comfortable yeah. and it allows us to keep hunting no matter what the conditions are. Until you try it, you don't understand what the hype's all about. <laughs> you spend one one uh, week hunting in it, and then you'll understand why. Yeah, it's, it's not just clothing. It's not just camouflage. It's actually gear. Yeah, totally. Uh, next sponsor of the Elk Talk podcast is Gerber Gear and Gerber Knives. Uh, I've used a lot of different knives and definitely found that the replaceable blades... Those yep. uh, those kind of knives work best for me. That way I'm not stuck sharpening or looking for a sharpener. You know, you get halfway through an elk and you've got to sharpen <laughs> a knife blade. And the Gerber Big Game Vital and, and Gerber Vital are replaceable blades. They're, you know, basically razor blade sharp blades. Yeah. And uh, easy to replace. You don't have to worry about cutting yourself. They've got the little button on there. In fact, I do have one sitting right here so we can for those that are watching on youtube because we are recording this so real easy you just push the button there slide the blade off there's no pulling prying bending or anything putting it back on is just as easy put it on there snaps in place so gerber vital uh gerber is a great company and sponsor of the elk talk podcast and then the last sponsor is rocky mountain hunting calls and they make all sorts of elk calls and other calls. Uh, we prefer the elk calls during elk season and <laughs> uh, getting ready to put them to, to use. Uh, I will share with you, we're working on a new diaphragm elk call for Elk 101, and uh, we'll be testing it out this fall and uh, be able to share with you and hopefully release that in January if all goes well and it works to our expectations. But yeah, 
Yeah, hopefully it uh, calls in some elk. <laughs> well, yeah. we may not be releasing it. You exactly. <laughs> Depends on how bad we do this season. But uh, so Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, if you go to their website, you can go to buglingbull.com or rockymountainhuntingcalls.com. Yep. And any product you order there, if you use the promo code elk talk, you're going to save 15% on your elk calls. So we do get a lot of questions regarding which call I should use. If I'm a beginner, if I'm looking for this, if I'm looking for, you know, big bull sounds, if I want cow sounds, I personally prefer a diaphragm that, that does everything that I can bugle with, that I can cow call with. So I'm not swapping out diaphragms if I want to throw out a cow call or if I want to bugle. Um, There's a couple of them. The, the original raging bull has been the kind of the flagship diaphragm since the beginning it's got the metal plate on the back the pallet plate Uh, that's a good one Uh, if you're looking for a real easy multi-purpose does it all the the all-star the green one is a great one Uh, the contender that we just designed last year and launched at the beginning of this year uh, is a good one for longevity the latex on it lasts a long time again it's very versatile and and will make just about any sound but Couple that with a good bugle tube. Uh, I prefer the Bully Bull Extreme. Has the inch and a quarter opening at the mouth. Yep. Is that the same one you use? Same one I'm using. So those are uh, some recommendations there. If you absolutely can't use a diaphragm, you gag on it or whatever, uh, there are options there as well. The Temptress, Temptress. Open Read Cow Call is a good one. Uh, and then the Selectable Bugling System has an external diaphragm that you basically place uh, your mouth on and blow on it instead of putting a diaphragm in your mouth. It works so. really easily too. Very yep. easily. So go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com. Order your elk calls there. Use promo code ELKTALK and save 15%. And that takes care of the business side of the podcast. Yeah. So let's uh, let's jump in, Donnie. We are, we've got a a pretty full schedule coming up here. Uh, we leave for our first hunt on Friday, August 24th, first yep. elk hunt. And we will basically be gone until October 7th, I believe. Correct. So we'll be home two yeah. or three days, four days, whatever, in between couple, each hunt. But A couple of days to go home and wash our clothes and <laughs> hopefully be washing some blood out of pants and packs and on to the next one exactly a lot of miles this year we're uh, we're starting over on the ocean the pacific ocean and hunting coastal roosevelt elk which for the first time for either of us we've never hunted yep. uh, roosevelt elk so looking forward to hunting in a new environment and hunting a, a new species um then from there we go all the way across back across idaho and over into wyoming Yep. and hunt over there and then come back to Idaho and spend some time here and then finish in Idaho with the hunt of, of a lifetime, lifetime hunt. Um, the cool the cool thing this year is we are going to be able to bring everybody along on our hunts with us. Yes. So <laughs> well, do we have a, a big bus that we're taking and everybody can just pile on yeah, that or how, yeah. how's that going to work? Spectator section. <laughs> <laughs> So we are, uh, through Elk 101, Donnie and Dirk and I will be launching a project at the beginning of our season, and it'll be called Destination Elk. 
and it's going to be a day-by-day -day video series. Uh, if you followed along last year with Born and Raised Outdoors and the Land of the Free uh, video series, be very similar to that with uh, a couple of really cool twists. Uh, last year we had the opportunity to hunt with Cody and uh, Trent yeah. with Born and Raised Outdoors and had a great time there. Um, the the reaction, the engagement, and the I guess just the response the to that yeah to that project was pretty impressive. Uh, a lot that, of people. The way that everybody out there consumed all of that material was overwhelming. So. Yeah, it'll be... They rubbed off on us, and, <laughs> and we'll uh, try and provide some content as well. So we'll basically be bringing a cameraman along from the beginning, every step of the way, documenting each day. So basically bringing, bringing the viewers in to see what we do. Through, I mean, starting with getting ready in the morning, heading out, you're going to see the, the failures, the successes, the disappointments, the excitement, um, the bugling action, the lack of bugling action every single day. So we're going to have about 30 days of in the field hunting from August 24th through October 7th. And each day of that hunt is going to be posted on the Elk 101 YouTube channel. And that's going to launch probably about November 1st is what we're planning for. So we get back October 7th, poor camera guy, John Abernathy, <laughs> who's, who's been with us a lot and uh, knows what he's getting into here. He is going to get done basically videoing for 30 days and then sit down and start editing 30 days worth of videos for YouTube. And we'll launch that November 1st and then one video a day for however many days we ended yep. up hunting in September. So pretty much the whole month of November, each day there'll be a new video there. So Destination Elk is the name of the project. The really cool twist to it is, yes, you get to follow along, you get to see all of the, the daily shenanigans and call-ins and everything, but we are going to be taking a time out in the field each day and providing uh, educational components to basically illustrate something that we either messed up on, something we did right, something we should have done, yeah. something we did to prepare for that moment. So some of the biggest questions that we get from everybody else and during the off season, how do you do this? How do you do that? Or why did you do this? Why did you do that? We'll try and capture that as it is happening. If we have to be able to recognize when they're <laughs> in that situation that, hey, this is a good example to try and show it. And so we're really using it as a, as an instructional in the field, in the moment. Um, you know, if we're, if we're set up on a bull and he's hung up and we can't get him to come in, we'll stop. And that's probably going to be the hardest yeah. part is, is you stop and John, him. the hardest part for you guys is going to be grabbing me and saying, <laughs> you need to stop for two minutes here and explain what we're doing because I get into that kill mode and, and focused in laser focus on that situation and don't stop and don't like to stop. So that's going to be I've a been, chore. I've been on Amazon like for two and a half weeks straight searching, trying to find the right bit <laughs> to put in your mouth to be able to yank on it to get you to stop. So I don't know. We watched Mission <laughs> Impossible the other night and they have these little devices. They just hit you in the neck and it kind of 
zap you and yep. makes you sit there for two minutes. So maybe something like that. I'll yeah. be running and gunning and all of a sudden you guys will sneak up behind me and zap me in the back of the neck with a needle. And yeah, but no, we'll, uh, we're going to try really hard to share, um, uh, knowledge is the wrong word because that makes us sound like we're smart and that's certainly not the case. We just want to share what we, what's going through our mind, uh, the, the tactics that we use, the strategies we use in the moment so you can see what we're faced with, what we're struggling with, what we do to try to overcome it. And it might be an epic fail and then we can talk about that and why, why it went wrong. Or we can talk about, you know, okay, here this bull was doing this, you know, he had cows and he was moving up the hill we kept pressuring him and what we're going to do is, is let him kind of get away and settle down. Then we're going to go up and set up on him, you know, as they're getting ready to bed down and go through a calling sequence. But we just, you know, and it might not be calling related. It might be scouting related where we talk about how we scouted this area and, and we found this is one of the waypoints we put in on our Onyx system at home on the computer. And we thought we need to check this out. We hiked all the way in here and look at what it is. There's sign everywhere. So without having ever yep. been here before, we were able to find an area with elk and, and explain that and what we did. So that educational piece, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is actually uh, a huge part of this project. And they were really excited when we told them we wanted to provide in the field instruction that is going to help educate people yep. and, and increase, you know, the goal is to increase their success, which is kind of the whole focus with Elk 101 is giving people the tools and resources they need to increase their success. Yes, exactly. So, so that's the project in a nutshell. We're super excited about that. We'll, uh, hopefully you've, you have an opportunity to see the logo that we have and, uh, follow along on that because it, it will be, you know, kind of, we'll be posting some stuff on the Elk 101 Instagram and on our personal Instagrams, but it'll really kick off November 1st when the, when the videos are yep. available to watch. So let's, uh, let's talk real briefly. I know we, we went through our kind of calendar of where we're going to be geographically. Uh, let's talk about each of the hunts maybe a little bit and, and uh, let's start with Oregon. Oregon, it's going to be, we're going to be learning as much as we're going along as <laughs> the people that we're trying to <laughs> yeah. show how things down. We might not be able to get any uh, learning experiences other than some failures because we haven't ever hunted in that terrain, the uh, Roosevelt species. So it's going to be totally new for us. I know we've, you know, I've, I've watched Born and Raised Outdoors yep. a ton and, and what they've done with Roosevelt's and, you know, they call it the, with the cat road shuffle where yep. they get on the logging roads on Timberland Company. And we may have an opportunity to hunt on some of that timber company that is open access. Uh, but for the most part, we're starting out on 100% public land. Um, from what I've been told, so we're hunting with David Brinker. He actually lives in Oregon full time now. He grew up over there. And he's been out. In fact, I just sent him three stealth cam trail cameras to get set up over there so we can at least hopefully see some animals before we get there. Uh, but from, from what he's described it, it's really steep. Uh, it's really rugged. The brush and the berries and the thorns and the ferns and <laughs> everything is about eight feet tall. So shooting lanes usually consist of a, an eight-foot opening in between some really thick brush. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of 40 or 50-yard shots, it didn't sound like. No. Uh, you know, there's 
all sorts of spiders and crawly things and hornets and yellow jackets. Oh, wait. And <laughs> no snakes. About that. There's no snakes, so it's fine with this. <laughs> okay, good. But uh, so, yeah, new, completely new. And I grew up in North Idaho, so we have brush. I'm not, you know, opposed to or, or a newbie when it comes to hunting brush, but I think this is brush on steroids. Yeah. And big, big old ferns and. Yeah. I did look at the weather. Constantly wet. And I was just going to say, I looked at the weather and the weather is great. You know, the highs are in the, right now in mid-August, highs are in the mid-70s to low 80s. So temperature isn't a huge deal, but you get moisture pretty much every night right there on the coast. And so everything's wet all the time. And uh, so that's, you know, gaiters, we're going to definitely wear gaiters and uh, keep our boots as dry as we can. Uh, but gear is, is going to be important and going to be continually wet. I think the camping yeah. situation is kind of exciting. Yeah, we're going to try something new this year. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to haul the tent trailer over and be able to sleep in a in a bed like with a hard floor instead of a <laughs> sleeping pad in the tent. Get up in the morning with a heater if we need it. We've got a stove in there. So yeah, this is, a I think, the first time we've ever... Yeah. Elk hunted out of a tent trailer, out of something other than a, a tent camp or a bivy camp. Yep. So uh, the cool thing is, is, you know, a lot of that area is accessible by logging roads or, you know, county or state roads. And so we'll just camp in a central location and get up every morning and head to the area we're hunting, come back and have a place to hang up our clothes to dry out and yeah. make some dinner. I think we're still planning on quick meals and you know we're staying at a tent trailer but we yeah. probably won't be cooking <laughs> a lot of meals we'll boil water and add it to a off-grid dinner or something a little too tired when we get back to be able to cut up some potatoes or <laughs> get up in the morning so i want to go with casey and the hush guys and yeah they they know how to do breakfast and the midday lunch yeah I think both of us are a little too lazy to do that, so. Uh, I just, that time in the Elkwoods <laughs> is so valuable that I just, I can't, I, I don't yeah. sacrifice time in the Elkwoods to come back to camp during the day. We just, we stay out all day and look for an opportunity or try to make something happen. So Limited heading over time. there, August 24th, season opens August 25th. So we will hunt opening day, which is a Saturday in Oregon. It opens the last Saturday in August. Uh, and we'll get into moon phases here in just a bit, but you'll notice that the full moon this year lands on August 26th. So we'll have a full moon, you know, 98% full on the 25th, full moon on the 26th, pretty much that entire week, you know, oh. by September 1st is our last day. We'll be traveling home September 1st, and it's still over three quarters yeah. full. So we'll be dealing with that, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But we'll be coming home September 1st, which is Labor Day weekend. And like Donnie said, hopefully doing some needed laundry. <laughs> and uh, then our, I think the hunt I look forward to the most each year. And that's the one that you and Dirk and I do together and, and have done for, I don't know how long now, years. Yeah. And, you know, it's we're, we're heading back to the Wyoming high country. And it's a general tag, public land, uh, just the most scenic, beautiful elk country. And that coupled with, you know, just the camaraderie of, of our hunting group is yeah. 
something I look forward to probably more than anything else during elk season. Staying away from the grizzly area this year so that <laughs> we don't have to contend with that and, Feel the ma- and make, make little mistakes like leaving trail cameras behind. And <laughs> if we set out a trail camera this time, it won't be uh, nearly the situation we were in last year when we had to go and retrieve the trail camera no. from a elk carcass that we had placed to be able to video the grizzly bears without <laughs> realizing we had to go back and get that camera. Yeah. And it was almost dark. And <laughs> But yeah, heading to Wyoming, um, an area we know. So we've been there. I think we've hunted. This will be our fifth time hunting yep. this area. Uh, so we're, we're really familiar with it. And that's always exciting to go back um, and go into, you know, as opposed to going to Oregon or someplace we've never been, never even set foot in. And we'll be showing up the night before with an hour or two just to lay eyes on the land and come up with a game plan. So uh, we'll hunt Wyoming. Yeah. So I don't remember what the date. We're leaving the 6th, I believe, is a Thursday, September 6th. We'll hunt uh, maybe that night and then uh, hunt through the 15th, I believe, is the next Saturday. Yep. So we'll have, I think, eight days of hunting in Wyoming. And then uh, come home for three days, three or four days. Then we're headed to eastern Idaho to take out a winner of uh, the uh, hunt that was given away last year through Mountain Ops. Yep. So we've got a, a gentleman from Texas who was the hunt winner. And uh, really cool because... Everything, you know, with the University of Elk Hunting online course, which is, you know, kind of the the platform that we gave the hunt away through last year with Mountain Ops, uh, we teamed up with them and uh, and gave that away. And it was a, I don't remember, $8,000 package, I think, between being able to go elk hunting and then all the gear we gave away, uh, fully outfitted with, you know, clothing from Sitka, with coolers, bows, arrows, packs, boots, packs, everything. I mean, everything he needed. And this this gentleman who won the hunt from Texas, he's been elk hunting, I believe he said nine or 10 times and has yet to kill an elk. And yeah. so we're going to, it will be put to the test for sure, trying to uh, provide him with some opportunities there. So that's going to be really exciting and fun. Um, I think especially on a day-by-day series to be able to meet this guy and then be able to yeah. root for him to get his first yeah. elk, you know, and follow along day-by-day to to see the struggles there and uh, to hear a little bit more of his story, I think is going to be really, really fun. Yeah. To see some of the questions that we forget about that we don't even think about that are important in somebody that hasn't done it as often or is from out of state, basically. Yeah. I mean, he's coming to terrain that he's never seen before. He's looking at it on Google earth and on, on X and now he gets to see that sometimes Google Earth and OnX really lie to you about <laughs> how, how steep is. stuff is. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. Yeah. And yeah, our adventure shed hunting this spring was a prime example. Donnie yeah. and I researched an area on Google Earth and thought we had it pretty well dialed in and knew where we were going and had a, a drop-off point from a jet boat to go into the backcountry <laughs> and then hike up into this basin that we just knew it was going to be loaded with elk antlers. And I think the plan was to, to hike up the bottom and get there. And it would take us two to three hours to yep. get to this point that was two to three miles away. And 24 hours later, we made it to that point. 
and realized we didn't have enough time to actually get up into the basin we wanted to get yeah. to and turned around it took another 24 hours almost to to make it back to catch the jet boat out of there so yeah what looked on google earth to be oh yeah it's a steep hillside the contour lines are close together was pretty much a 3,000 foot vertical <laughs> rock face and wasn't yeah. a lot of fun to go up or down no it wasn't all six times <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, it'll be exciting to hunt uh, with him here in Idaho, and we it's a uh, we're hunting I think five days. We yes. Start hunting on the nineteenth. Yes. Right. Remember, nineteenth through the twenty fourth, something like that. So we come home on the twenty fourth, and that'll leave us uh, basically five days in Idaho's season, which closes on September thirtieth. So I don't know what's our what's our plan that last week. Try and get. Kids out, maybe get ourselves out. See, I don't think I'll probably, if I was to shoot another elk, I would. Yeah. My wife would yeah. probably question. But yeah, yeah I think. Uh, see if we can get Isaac out and get him another archery bull or maybe just don't get him an archery bull and let him get some experience <laughs> on the mountain. <laughs> yeah, Donnie brings up a good point. My son Isaac is 15 and uh, he's enjoyed a lot of success as a as an elk hunter in his young years yeah. and i think he's hunted a total of four days for elk and killed three elk yeah and i keep telling him <laughs> the averages don't they don't respect anybody and they will catch up to you so this year we might just take him out for a week and every time an elk comes in we might throw rocks at the elk or cut his yeah. bowstring or if murphy's not going to jump in and help us out with him we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll play murphy's role for a bit but uh, yeah. yeah, that'll be fun that last week. We'll we'll figure out something. I know uh, Born and Raised guys will be hunting with Tyler and the Pure Elevation production guys here locally uh, that week. So might be yeah. an opportunity for us to hike into wherever they're bivvied into and... Help them pack elk out. Bring them a <laughs> birthday cake flavored Oreo cookie or something. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then uh, we'll cap the season off with uh, something that you actually turned me on to several years ago and, and we've been involved yep. with every year. Yes, the hunt of, our hunt of a lifetime hunt. So we have a, another boy coming in from Pennsylvania again. He is 17 years old and he had a bout with leukemia. But I've been talking to him and his dad He's he's fairly healthy. He's been in remission for a little bit, so everything's been going positive for him. So he's actually fairly healthy. He's act, been playing soccer a little bit this summer. So I don't think that uh, he's going to let us pack him around. <laughs> you know, and that's... Just tell, tell us a little bit about yeah. Out of a Lifetime. That's... So, Hunt of a Lifetime is an organization that uh, is similar to the Make-A-Wish, but some kids are not uh, going to Disneyland or going to Disney World is not something that they would want as a wish. Their wish would be to go out and go hunting or fishing or whether it's bird hunting or fishing, anything. So what they do is they will 
interview these kids, give them a sheet that has, I don't even know how many, like 24 options of things that they can do and a checkbox next to it. I want to go pheasant hunting in Kansas or I want to go uh, moose hunting in Alaska. I want to shoot an alligator in Florida. There's a little box on there that is, I want to go hunt elk in Idaho. And when one of those kids selects that box, they get, uh, the names get given to the Hunt of a Lifetime chapter of Idaho. Then we get uh, one of the kids selected and they come on out. And it's it's a blast. Usually their parents come out with them. And uh, it's it's what hunting is all about. It's not even about the hunt. It's about an escape for somebody that's been, that's had a lot of stuff thrown at them in their life. Young kids that have known nothing other than hospitals or treatments or tests and stuff like that. So they come out here and just a group of guys that gets together, we uh, treat them like just an, every another hunter. Don't even really want to talk about their medical conditions. Do we just want to talk about, you know, life, talk about hunting, get them, every one of them that's come out, it's been their, hearing their very first elk in the wild and seeing their first elk. It's just... And that's not only for the the youth that is coming out, but their dad, you know, just being able to assist and be part of a dad and a son or daughter going on there, or even a mom and their son or daughter going and experiencing a hunt together like that is, it's uh, definitely rewarding and heartwarming and it's the, last hunt of the season most time so you're kind of burnt out on hunting but <laughs> it, it it definitely fills your heart for being motivated throughout all the winter and spring too well and i think for me donnie donnie went the first year um caitlin was the, yep. the hunter and and you form a relationship and a friendship with these these youth that come out with their families and Donnie got back and he's like, we've got to do this. You, it's life changing. I can't explain it. You just have to be there just to, to see everything and experience it. And so the next year we were fortunate enough. We talked to the Idaho chapter and, and they allowed uh, Elk 101 to kind of host a camp. And so we were able to put together um, some of the greatest elk hunters that I know to come out and help facilitate this camp. And it was a it was a blast. There were two youth there. We shared a camp with one of the other uh, Hunt of a Lifetime camps, and you know I just remember Harrison. He was I think eight. Yep. Came out, and, and Idaho makes an exception for those with life threatening illnesses. Uh, they provide five tags a year that they can basically go anywhere. There's an open season, so we're able to go to a draw unit, a, a limited controlled hunt unit, uh, and hunt with a rifle during the rut, which is really incredible in and of itself yes um you know but then also to be able to hunt at eight years old because these these kids don't know yep. what tomorrow holds and so if their dream is to go on an elk hunt the idaho fishing game 
provides that uh, opportunity for them. So Harrison at eight years old came out and, and his dad just shared the importance of that hunt. And he said, you know, for the last two years, uh, from the time he was five, I think, was when he was diagnosed with leukemia. He had been in hospitals. He had had uh, ports dripping the, the chemotherapy treatment. Yeah. And even when he came out, he still had that. And he said, you know, that has been his only bright spot for a year was looking forward to going elk hunting. That every time he'd go in for a doctor's treatment or every time he went in for these different appointments, the bright spot was, have we heard anything from the guys that we're going elk hunting with? Or, you know, three months until we get to go elk hunting. And like you'd mentioned, that's what they looked forward to. That was their bright spot. That was their hope that got them through a lot of, of what they were going through. And I think for me being there that first year, it really opened my eyes to how blessed we are to be able to just go out and run and gun and go all over the, the Western states hunting elk and something we take for granted. I think we really do sometimes just overlook how special it really is. And to go out there and to see somebody, that's his dream. Like you said, he didn't want to go to Disney World. He wanted to go on an elk hunt with his dad. And to be able to be a, a small part of that and to be able to to share that experience and to be able to share something we love with somebody who's never experienced it before but wants to experience yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, it puts everything into perspective, and especially at the end of the season, I think it uh, it kind of recharges us and puts yeah. everything into perspective. And and there hasn't been a single time I've been there, and this is our I think fourth year now, hasn't been a single hunt that we didn't experience some hardship. And it comes down a lot of times to the wire, and you'd think you know out in a controlled hunt with a rifle, all of that, but you know you mentioned backpacking we carried these kids on on our backs piggyback style or on a pack frame to get them into where the elk are because sometimes 100 yards from the road is is as far as they can go so that's uh that's a special hunt and yeah excited for uh austin last year he uh he did not want us to pick him up and pack him he it was just out of his comfort zone altogether he did not want a back he did didn't want a piggyback ride he did not want a piggyback ride finally we had an elk bugling and we're like we got to get up there so on one of the first days okay just hop on we're just gonna go a little bit and you can get (laughs) off well that piggyback led into (laughs) everywhere we went can i get a ride can i get a ride can i get a ride yeah so Uh, and it was funny that last day when he actually got his elk we'd found a group of elk and i knew they were physically too far away from where we could get him to and uh, we just kept telling him i think they're just around the next corner and he finally put his foot down said you keep saying they're right around the next corner and they're not around the next corner i can't go any farther and i think donnie was looking at me saying see somebody else sympathizes with (laughs) how we feel trying to follow you around the elk woods that's always my thing i think let's just go over one more ridge and yeah we see dirk and donnie rolling their eyes and yeah lacing their boots up but yeah that uh that's a special hunt and definitely um, I, I think kind of a lifetime has chapters in a lot of states. So look it up, you know, go to their main, their websites, huntofalifetime.org yep. and just see if there's a chapter near you because they can always use help, uh, whether it's, you know, a financial contribution they they do events to raise money. 
uh, if you can volunteer time and go out and spend a couple days to be in one of these camps. And it's not all elk hunting. Like Donnie said, they'll do, you know, pheasant hunts in Kansas or fly fishing in Montana. Yep. There's there's a lot White of opportunities. Hunts, everything. So great organization, and we're definitely excited to to play a small part and be involved in a small way there. All right, well, let's uh, let's spend a few minutes here talking. We're at the 45-minute mark somewhere in there, so we've got 10 or 15 minutes here. We don't want to drag these out too long. We want people to be able to digest it. But let's, uh, let's talk moon phase, because I've been getting a ton of emails, especially this year, on uh, how the moon phase affects elk hunting. And I know, you know, we've experienced Donnie hunting on full moon and having it affect the hunt, yeah. as well as having it affect the hunt in a positive way. Yeah. One night it can be totally everything against it, and the next night it's like... Was Same there, moon. Was, what was, turned was, it? <laughs> was there no moon? Did they not see all the light? But, so, so there's a couple things I wanted to touch on on that. A couple of emails uh, that I received. One of them was... We always hunt the last week of September. That's the peak rut. That's the most bugling action. But this year it's a full moon. And we're hunting in Idaho during that last week on a full moon. Are we making a mistake? Did we did we plan incorrectly? Uh, and so let's, I just want to touch on a couple things to t- kind of set the stage for this. But full moon has an effect on elk. But depending on where you're at, I don't believe it has as much of an effect as, as sometimes we give it credit or blame for. Um, there's a couple things going on. So first off, during a full moon, it's bright. You know, that full moon's out. It provides more light. And that allows the elk to stay out all night and feed and rut. And so what they're doing, instead of laying down at night when it's dark, they're feeding and rutting all night. And first thing in the morning when it gets daylight, they're heading for the bedding area. So you don't have the the two-hour lag where they're feeding and rutting at first light anymore. They're now heading back to the bedding area a couple hours early. So that action first thing in the morning is sometimes limited, if at all. And then, again, the the reverse in the evening, they're staying in their bedding area until it's almost dark. And then they're coming down. And you just, again, you don't have those daylight activity and action that, that I think we're used to, especially during the peak rut, they're still very vocal, but it's at night. And uh, so a lot of times, you know, hunters go out on the full moon, there's no activity, they aren't hearing any bugles, they'll get a bugle right at daylight and then not hear it again, or they'll hear one right as it's getting dark. And that's a pretty common scenario. Uh, A couple things I've noticed, well, let me, let me jump back just a bit. One other thing that, that I feel is important to look at is the fall equinox. And the fall equinox is that day when your daylight hours are equal to your nighttime hours. And it usually falls September 21st, 22nd, somewhere right in there this year. I think it's the 21st. But that, that daylight is important because the amount of daylight entering a cow elk's pupil is what triggers the estrus cycle. And so that estrus cycle is triggered right around the fall equinox. So September 21st is typically what triggers the estrus cycle, which, you know, is, is what we relate to the peak rut. And I think what happens, there's a couple things. When you have a full moon right about that same time, it seems like the rut hits a little bit later. In my experience, they just, the, the cows don't come into estrus as early 
when a full moon hits on that fall equinox. And my theory is, and I, I'm completely, you know, this is not proven or anything, <laughs> but my theory is there's still extra daylight entering that cow's pupil for longer hours of the day because of the moonlight. And, you know, it's not direct sunlight, but it's light. And my, my theory is those cows are going to come into estrus a little bit later on those years when there's a full moon, say the 19th through the 23rd of September. And Randy and I experienced that in New Mexico a couple of years ago. We were there during that time, during the fall equinox with a full moon and it should have been peak rut in the Gila National Forest, you know, which is where everybody wants to go hunt in New Mexico. And we couldn't buy a bugle. Yeah. And the cow, you know, everything was bedding down at daylight. They weren't getting up till dark or till daylight the next morning. Sorry, they were bedding down at daylight and then they weren't getting up until sunset that night. And then the full moon was out all night. So they were out at night feeding, but there still wasn't a lot of rut activity. So I think that fall equinox coupled with a full moon is important to look at. This year, the full moon hits on so September 25th, I think. I think I've got so. a computer open over there. It's sometime right around there. 20, 25th, 26th. Yeah. I don't see what it says there. But yeah, there's you got a full moon basically that whole last week. It looks like it's peaking the 25th. So if the fall equinox is the 21st, that is a Friday. Uh, you've got pretty much a full moon. It's probably 96, 97% looking at it there. And I'm looking at moongiant.com, incredible resource for moon phases. And I'll get into a little bit more on on that that's available at moongiant.com. Uh, but that's just the, the website I go to and look at the moon. Uh, so we have a full moon on the 25th. On the 21st, it's pretty much full. There's a chance that the peak rut could hit a little later this year that the cows might estri- come into estrus a little later, maybe the 25th, 26th, 27th, somewhere in there. However, um, it might hit yeah. when it's supposed to, around the 20th <laughs> or 21st, because you know I'd say it's within five days of that fall equinox. So if the conditions are right for the cows to come into estrus a little early, uh, and we'll talk about those two c- scenarios. So if the cows do come into estrus when they're supposed to, around the 18th, 19th, something like that, then you've got the full moon to contend with. So the bulls are running hard. The cows are in estrus. They're going to be spending more time during the daytime in their bedding area. So when everybody else is heading back to camp to uh, cook their big meal during the middle of the day and take a nap, that actually could be the best time this year during that last week to be hunting those yes. elk. Because if they're going to bed down, you know, 7.30 in the morning, they are not going to just lay in that bed for 14 hours and then get up and head back down. They're going to get restless, especially those bulls. They are going to be fired up. They're going to be checking cows. They're going to be going and wallowing. They're going to be getting up and going to water during the middle of the day. So being in where they're bedding, close to their bedding areas, and using that tactic, they're still going to be very aggressive. They got they have cows in estrus bedded right there. They're in their bedding area that they're very protective of. And so that's a great strategy during the peak rut with a full moon is to uh, slip into those bedding areas and set up and do some calling in there, aggressive calling in Uh there. On the flip side, if the cows estrus late because of that full moon and they don't actually kick in until the 26th, 27th, 28th, somewhere in there into that full estrus, um, it's going to be tough during... 
that week of, you know, say the 20th through the 26th, 27th, somewhere in there, it's going to be tough hunting, especially if it's hot and dry. They're going to be bedding down. The cows aren't in estrus. The bulls aren't going to be as aggressive and fired up. Um, so it might. You just never know. And then you could have weather. Yeah. And we had snow in the beginning of September when that was supposed to be a full moon. Yeah. And the full moon didn't play any effect. It was all the weather that we cloud had. Cloud cover, and so it was dark at night. And, yep, that's another thing to consider is, you know, cloud cover. And so the, the next thing I want to touch on when it comes to a full moon and moongiant.com, again, no affiliation at all. It's just I did a Google search for September moon phases and it came up and has a bunch of great information. But if you click on the specific date, so if you click on September 20, let's say 25th, uh, you click on that date, it'll bring up an actual hour by hour chart of where the moon is in the sky. And that's really important because you can have a full moon that is actually exposed during the day, depending on the rotation of the earth and everything. And it's possible that the full moon will rise at noon and set at 9 p.m. And if that happens, it's dark at night. You don't have, yes, it's a full moon phase, but you don't have the full moon in the sky where you're hunting all night. And so it's still dark at night. Uh, So that's really important to look at the full moon and the effect it's going to have this year, unfortunately, I think on the 25th, it rises at 9 p.m. and sets at 9 a.m. So you've got full moon all night that night. So the elk are going to be very active on the 25th during the nighttime, uh, but that morning and that evening are going to be pretty slow for activity for the most part. Uh, Another thing that comes into play is the area that you're hunting. And I've said forever, full moon has no effect on elk. You know, I'll hunt them Anytime on a full moon, I don't, don't worry about planning my vacation around that. And that was based on my experiences hunting in Idaho where it doesn't have as much effect. They're still, you know, the, they just, they act differently than elk do in a desert state like New Mexico or Arizona yeah. or Utah or Nevada. And I found the same in Wyoming. I'll hunt on a full moon in Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, and not even consider the effects that it'll have. Yeah, it might mute their activity a little bit first thing in the morning and last light. But midday hunting is so good in those states that, that I don't worry about it. You get to a place like Arizona and we went there in 2008 oh. during a full moon. Those elk, they go and it's like a, a light switch. They're bugling their heads off and at 7.30, the light switch goes off and it goes silent and you can't buy a bugle until 7 o'clock that night. Yeah, they're just... Something changed and, okay, we're just going to run the rest of the day. <laughs> well, and I think they just, they get on those knobs and they just bed down and they will not make a peep. And I, there's yeah. always an exception, but I've just found in the desert states um, where they're moving to water, to a water tank or something, and then they move back to their bedding area, midday hunting usually isn't much of yeah. an option. It's nowhere near as good as it is in the mountain states. Yeah. So when you and Randy were down in New Mexico, I remember calling you and telling you how <laughs> many bugles are going on up here right now because I was in Idaho hunting while they were down there. And it was a rut fest here. And Corey's like, I, I cannot be, get a single bull to respond. And I'm going to have to spot and stock. <laughs> Which we ended up doing uh, yeah. because bugling just was not effective. And Yeah. But like you were saying, like you were saying though, that the mountain states, it, 
a little iffy with how much effect it actually does play in in the rut. Yep. Yeah, there's just so many, so many things. Um, so for our season, we're starting August 25th in Oregon, which is a full moon. It's like the peak of, I think the 26th is the actual 100% full moon. So we're going to have full moon that entire week, which is going to be interesting to see what effect it has. Because in, in what I've learned, and I am certainly this, I'm not speaking from experience. This is in research because this is my first time hunting Roosevelt's, but they, uh, they don't travel near as far as Rocky Mountains. Uh, their, their habitat, their, uh, the areas that they you know, seek refuge and feed and, and water and everything is typically really small. And if you do bump them, they're going to go 300 yards into a you know, reprod or into a thick brushy area and bed back down. And whereas with you know, Rocky Mountain elk, sometimes you bump them and you watch them go six miles and over the top of the next mountain and into another unit. So that's going to be different. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the effect the full moon has because they're going to be able to be in their bedding area at daylight, but with their bedding areas being right there, um, if we can buy a bugle out of them, I yeah. think, you know, we're going to be able to hunt all day. And if they're, if they're active at all, and again, it's early, I've never hunted that early before August 25th. I know Colorado opens early like that. Oregon opens early. Utah's already open. Yeah. Um, these states have the real true early season hunting, uh, we're going to be able to employ some of those tactics and, and see how effective that's going to be. From there, our Wyoming hunt is absolute peak. So we're hunting the 6th through the 15th of September in Wyoming. And if you look at that, the new moon, I think, lands on the 9th. So we're yeah. basically hunting with no moon from the 6th until about the 13th. By the 15th, I think it's about maybe a third moon or so. So as far as moon phase goes, that's the prime week. there. The other thing I love about that is that is, uh, I would consider it the staging period between the pre-rut and the peak rut. And that's my favorite time to call because the big bulls haven't herded up necessarily at that point. At least they don't have cows in estrus. Uh, they're fighting for dominance during that time. They're establishing dominance and establishing their harems. They're far more aggressive. Vocal. They're going to be very vocal, which that first week, sometimes you don't get as much vocal activity um, when they're really vocal in the peak red, it's hard to call them awake because they're focused on breeding. So if I had to pick a week this year to hunt, it would be that 7th through the 15th, 16th, somewhere in there. Moon phase-wise, um, just dynamics of what's going on in the elk herds, uh, that's, that's going to be the peak week. And fortunately, we're hunting our favorite place, our favorite hunt yeah. during our favorite week with the perfect moon phase. So... Uh, absolutely yeah. excited for, for that week. As we get into the mountain ops hunt, winter hunt, uh, back here in Idaho, the 19th through the 24th, uh, we're starting to get into pretty much full moon conditions and, uh, it's going to make it a little more challenging, but the area we're going to does have a high population and density of elk. And so hopefully, obviously I think they're going to be very vocal and, uh, hopefully we can make something happen there. And then hunt of a lifetime, we're, uh, it's prime again, yeah. no moon that week <laughs> of October 1st through the 7th, uh, no moon there. We're out hunting, rutting elk in a controlled unit with a rifle with a 17 year old boy from Pennsylvania. 
it should yeah. be just dynamite. No predators, no nothing. No, no grizzly bears. <laughs> no grizzly bears, no wolves. No, It's uh, out there, you can experience some really good bugles. Yeah. They just don't get pressured. And so, the, you know, the satellite bulls are usually mature bulls, and you can call an elk in from two miles away. They hear a bugle and some cow calls, and they're very aggressive, very vocal. So that's going to be a... A lot of fun. So again, the the project we're working on, Destination Elk, uh, it's going to be a day-by-day video series to go through that entire season. And we're going to share, you know, moon phases. We're going to share tactics based on what the elk are doing, what phase of the rut they're in, and uh, just try to share as much information uh, with with the viewers to really help them be more successful. Yeah. And, and again, we're, we're not the experts. We, like I said, my, I, a lot of this is based on theory and just from experiences I've had, a lot of it's based on research I've done because we don't know. So we're going to share some of our education as well and, and show some of those failures and what we misjudged, what we messed up on, as well as what we got lucky and got right. Uh, so I guess... Donnie, one of the one of the topics Randy and I talk about uh, with a lot of our guests, and we went through a you know episode uh, two and three were on our top mistakes, top five mistakes. So, is there an experience that comes to your mind that maybe summarizes the number one mistake that you've made, or that you still make, or that the the thing that you had to learn to overcome to help you become more successful? I think it's uh, the top of most everybody's list and it's it's thermals and playing the wind it's, it's that every i mean it took 17 years of hunting elk <laughs> i, I want to hear that story yeah, share, so, share share that story because you know we talk about 10 percent success rates yep. and that's that's kind of the number that's the target and obviously it changes you get into a controlled unit in some states and some archery hunts are 40 percent success but i think on general tags, over-the-counter, public land, do-it-yourself type hunts, 10% to 12% is about the average success rate. So that means an elk hunter is successful once every 9 or 10 years, or it takes them 9 or 10 years to, to kill their first elk. So share your your journey there. So I started, back then, at Idaho, you could hunt archery, and then later in October you were able to pick up a rifle and and hunt during the rifle season. So I would go out and uh, hunt the early archery season and did not know anything about how to, about how the wind affected how you are, should hunt an animal. And uh, I would get into elk on daily I'd hear elk bugling and things and I'd be chasing them trying to get up to them where I could get a shot but knowing now there was no way that I would be able to get in on them because my wind was going right to them every time so it took 17 years before I was able to um, kill an elk with my bow I'd was able to come back later in season and shoot elk with with a rifle because I could shoot them from across a canyon. <laughs> but the archery elk, 
it took uh, 17 years of hunting them before I was able to get my first one. And I shot my first one right in the area that I'd hunted for so long with, um, took Corey in there and, um, instead of going straight up the bottom where the wind is, uh, pulling up the canyon, I start walking up the bottom of the drainage and Corey's like, no, we need to go over here. I'm like, yeah, but I, I always hear them bugle from over here. <laughs> they bugle right up at this point. We need to go straight there. So we... So l- let me let me stop you there. Yeah. 17 years. Did you realize at any point during that that it was the wind that was that was your nemesis there? I definitely. There was always time, oh, he smelt me. He smelt me. I didn't have wind checkers. I didn't have... It was just, okay, you're set up and... Oh, there, I just felt wind on the back of my neck. But that opportunity was gone on many other times going in to get set up that they never even would have come in. What I, I hear that a lot from, from hunters. It'll send an email and say, hey, this area I hunt, there's tons of elk in there, but I just can't call them in. You know, every time I even get close to them, I get within 400 yards and they just clam up and go quiet. Immediately something, you know, my first thought is there's a reason they're going quiet when you get close to them. It's not natural for an elk to get quiet when you get close to them. Either they, you know, maybe they're hunted really hard and there's a lot of pressure. And that's the first thing. If they're hunted hard and there's pressure, yes, they get bumped a lot. And pretty soon they get cautious to, to hearing bugles, especially if they don't sound realistic. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny because somebody will say, this area we hunt, I get up on the ridge every morning. There's an elk fest going you know, on in the meadow down at the bottom. And we start dropping down there. And every time we get within 400 yards, they just get quiet. And, you know, even if we aren't bugling, they just go quiet. And so, you know, it's, okay, first thing in the morning, you're dropping straight down on the elk. Uh, do you realize what the thermals are doing first yeah. thing in the morning? And, you know, you bring that up and, and a lot of people will argue, no, it's not the wind. They just, they go quiet when we're bugling. But I think so often we underestimate the, the power of an elk's nose and how far away they can smell and what the thermals are doing with our scent as it goes down and starts spreading out, an elk at 400 yards is going to wind you. If yep. you have the thermals going anywhere in that direction, the way your scent cone is, is spreading out, they're going to smell. And so, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. For 17 years, you knew that you kept, you know, messing up because of the wind, yep. but then not putting the, the correlation with, okay, what are the thermals doing? How do I need to move and set up? so that the thermals aren't affecting yeah. me in a negative way. Yeah. So 17 years. 17 years. And then finally we went up the side of the hill and got on, on level with them instead of blowing it right to him. And uh, he was, he just came right up, right across. We met, he was down one, around the one drainage. We were around the other side and had to break, and we met on a ridge, and the wind did not play effect that day. And that was a midday hunt. That it was, was a uh, what, 1 o'clock, one thirty in the afternoon, yep. and uh, we got in on that bedding area, <clears throat> they were bedded. It was a, a dry, fern-covered hillside. I just remember how noisy it was yep. going across that, and that's why they bedded there, because they were protected. Anything that came in from above, they yep. were going to hear them coming through that that 
really dry fern area and anything that tried getting into them below, the thermals were coming up. So we just took a chance, made a bunch of noise, cow calling as we went across that. And we ended up bumping them, you know, they, they bumped out of there, but we cow called and stopped them. And I think that bull bugled and we cut him off. And I yeah. just, I didn't, I thought for sure, you know, they were out of there and I was, I don't know, five feet behind you, just kind of standing there. And all of a sudden I yeah. saw you come to full draw and saw antlers appear and what was he, 16 yards or 18 yeah. yards or something. And that was a pretty awesome yeah. experience. Yeah, I think that he thought that one of his cows got left behind. Yep. So even that being said, sometimes you think that they got blown out. I mean, you were there, you were that close. If you hear them blow out, don't just go into a chase mode or... Or give up or and hike give out. Up and, you know... Especially if they don't wind you. That, that, I think that's the key. If yeah. they wind you and blow out you're probably not going to catch up to them and convince yeah. them you're an elk anytime soon. But yeah, in that case, they just heard us coming through the ferns and weren't comfortable. You yeah. know, whether they thought we were elk or not, they just weren't taking a chance because they couldn't smell right there and yeah. uh, took off. And I, I mean, he came back to check on the cow call five minutes after they had all blown out. And we thought they were, you know, a mile down the, uh, down the, the ridge. But now he, he, Stopped, came right back, and, oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that, uh, you know, just, and again, if you do bump them, we've had several experiences where just keep on them. As long as they haven't winded you, yeah, they might see you. They might hear you and turn and run. Just slip in quiet again, get in close. You know, don't get aggressive with the calling right then. Maybe keep tabs on them with a cow call or location bugle. Don't let them know you're coming in, but the more you just, pressure and pressure and pressure them and uh, eventually they're going to get tired of that and turn yeah. around to come in and run you off so yeah. awesome well that's a great tip i think uh, the wind and the thermals is is something we can't stress enough and and uh, definitely there's a reason it's the number one tip that comes up quite often so speaking of that i need to get one of those bottles of puffer that <laughs> You talked about on the other podcast. Right there in the box. So <laughs> grab them before you leave here. Awesome. Well, Donnie, yep. thanks so much for uh, coming up. I know you're going and rafting the river today and yep. have fun with your wife doing that. And then uh, elk season is right around the corner to yeah, the point where I'm starting to panic a little bit. I won't be able to get everything done. I know uh, yeah. you weren't overly excited to be going rafting today with everything you have to do. Yeah. And I'm not overly excited to spend the next three days up on top of scaffolding, putting stone up on a fireplace. But yeah. that's, uh, that's the trade-off for us being able to go and spend as much time in the woods as we do in September is taking yes. care of things at home and making a few extra sacrifices there. So enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. But folks, thanks so much for, uh, listening, watching and, uh, Elk season's here as you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully you're on your way driving uh, out to go elk hunting. Good luck. Seriously, we we, uh, we want you to be successful. Uh, hopefully the Elk Talk podcast is a resource that you uh, can rely on to pick up some tips and tactics and strategies that will improve your success. Again, uh, huge thanks to the folks at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Incredible organization there. 
And uh, we're going to try to continue to keep the podcast coming as frequently as we can. Uh, we're going to check in. I'm going to take my equipment with us on all of the hunts and hopefully be able to check in after each hunt and do a quick little recap and uh, get that edited and kicked out as quickly as we can so that you're listening you know, at least during elk season, and maybe yeah. we can talk about some of the mistakes we've made and, and share some of those stories. Don't forget, though, November 1st, we're going to be kicking off Destination Elk, and you're definitely going to want to follow along on that day-by-day series on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the Elk 101 YouTube channel, go and do that. I know Randy is going to have a lot of content as well on his uh, Randy Newberg YouTube channel, uh, tons of content out there between what randy and i are doing with uh, elk 101 and with hunt talk and all of randy's platforms yeah uh, there should be enough to, to keep the juices flowing through elk season so best of luck and uh again share with us your successes this season we'd love to have you send a picture to us go to elktalkpodcast.com and uh, just in the contact form there send us an email uh you can yeah. i don't even know what the email address is we've got one though but yeah. Just go to the, go to the <laughs> website and, and do that. Uh, and again, keep the tip or the, the themes, the topics, the podcast guests coming. And uh, truly, good luck to you this elk season.